Thomas McPherson called the Civil War the second American Revolution. But what about the first American Revolution? Was it a revolution? Is it similar, different from the Civil War? We'll talk about connections and contrasts between these two events by an author who has written about both of them, Jeff Shara, when we return on Civil War Talk Radio. Before we return to our riveting drama, our sponsor insists that we listen to a radio show about television. I'm Jim Benson, host of A Different Sort, as I direct you toward a galaxy of TV memories guaranteed to leave you spellbound while I present many of the greatest legends in television history on the TV Time Machine, every Wednesday beginning at 4 p.m. right here on World Talk Radio. Talk Radio, bringing the world to you. This is Jerry Prokopovich on Civil War Talk Radio with our guest today, Jeff Shera. Jeff, when we were talking a minute ago, uh, well, this, I want to talk about your, your current and, and future work uh, today, certainly, but I want to go back to Gods and Generals, uh, your novel that supplies the the preface to uh, Killer Angels. Right. Uh, this was made into a movie which did not have the same critical or popular success as the movie Gettysburg did. And you say you weren't, uh, after you'd supplied the screenplay, you weren't really involved in the final production. Well, no, I didn't supply the screenplay at all. I had nothing to do with the screenplay. I mean, the screenplay was written by Ron Maxwell, adapted from the book, and... It wasn't as though they, you know, they, they changed anything I did. Ron basically wrote an entirely different story. Uh, he focused much more on Stonewall Jackson. Uh, Stonewall Jackson is certainly a primary character in my book and a marvelous character. Ron took a different approach with the character. I mean, I can't really, it, this is not like I'm complaining. I want, I want to make sure I'm very clear about that. They made a major motion picture out of my book. That's a magnificent thing to happen to a writer. Um, it was a very different story than I wrote in the book. And that's simply the nature of Hollywood. It was a surprise to me to see how little of the book is in the movie. And I think it was a surprise to a lot of fans of the book because I've heard from them. But that's, I, I make no value judgment that the, that the film is better or worse than the book. That's not my place to do that. that that's the place of the, of the reader or, or the viewer. And obviously I'm biased. Well, I, I'm happy to step in and do that uh, for you because uh, I'm not uh, limited by having done either one. I, I did read the book, of course. I have to admit I've never actually seen the movie, so perhaps my comments are not quite as valid. Uh, but I understand that uh, Bud Robertson was one of the historical consultants on the movie. Yes. Mm -hmm. And he, of course, has written the, the uh, definitive biography of Stonewall Jackson. Right. And it, one could put two and two together and assume perhaps that his influence led to Jackson getting a bigger role in the picture. I disagree with that. I mean, I've heard that. In fact, I've heard uh, Professor Robertson say that himself, um, and I would dispute that uh, with any audience. Um, in fact, what Ron did, I think, Ron focused on historical accuracy to the extent that he forgot about the general audience. The magic of Gettysburg, the reason why Gettysburg succeeded as well as it did, is you don't have to be a Civil War buff 
to to appreciate what's happening in the film, to to relate to the characters, to understand what's going on. It's a good story. Absolutely. And I think what Ron did, what he forgot about, or or what he he sort of sublimated the the general audience in favor of appealing to the historians and and appealing to the Civil War buffs. The people who love the movie primarily are people who are very familiar with the characters, who um, appreciate you know exactly where everybody is, what they're doing, you know why it's happening, and yet the general audience generally has no idea. Um, they, they don't know why Stonewall Jackson is a great general. Uh, they, they don't see any evidence of what it is, why his men suddenly revere him, why, why the men you know, revere Robert E. Lee. Um, and I think that's the, that, to me, is the flaw in the film, is that um, Ron focused too much on pleasing the reenactment community and the historical community and just simply forgot about the general audience. And, and that really is fatal in any kind of storytelling attempt. Uh, you need to focus on the, the human element, the things that every, every audience member can relate to. Well, if you're looking for commercial success, you do. And the, the unfortunate uh, aftermath of Gods and Generals, it was not a commercially successful movie. Ted Turner uh, will not make his investment back. And uh, the unfortunate side effect of that, or direct result of that, is that the third movie, The Last Full Measure, to complete the trilogy, now there is no plan to make that into film. I mean, Ted Turner has dropped, and, and I hear an enormous number of rumors, and maybe you do too, that the film is, you know, going to be shot next year. It's in the works, and they're casting, and all the stuff. Well, I'm, I'm, you've got it from the horse's mouth. There is no plan to make a movie out of the last full measure. Ted Turner dropped the option to it. There is no financing in place. Whether there will ever be, of course, that can change tomorrow. But um, it's a shame because that's the opportunity that was lost by not having Gods and Generals appeal to a general audience. Uh, a commercial audience, it cost us the the ability to make last full measure to finish the trilogy. And that really is a shame. I think whether whatever one thinks of, of either of the previous two movies or the books, uh, it would certainly be a benefit to us all to to have yet another one to to view and to consider. Well, Ted Turner, that that was his goal. I mean, Ted wanted to create this monument to American history, a monument to the to the American Civil War, by by doing a film of these three stories. But then the reality, unfortunately, in, in Ted's case, is financial, and and I understand that. I mean, he can't be completely altruistic about it. Um, I mean, it takes money to do these sort of things, and I mean, the budget for the film was sixty million dollars, and uh, you you put that kind of expenditure you're out you have a right to expect to get you know a good chunk of it back um and he always said he didn't really care if he made a profit he just didn't want to lose a lot of money and well you know the results speak for themselves i see in, in a way i suppose you sort of live and die by the the sort of the reenactor community in in this in the sense that the reenactors were a big part of the success of gettysburg uh through their their volunteer labor and through the 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 I don't want to call them costumes. They don't like that. No, no uniforms. The uh, uniforms. <laughs> Period uh, dress. Oh yeah. no! And in fact, you're right. And it's not just the the success of the film. It's the creation of the film from the, in the first place. Exactly. Uh, in both films, in Gettysburg's and and Gods in General, uh, without the re- without the reenactors, uh, you couldn't do the film. You couldn't do them. No. Yeah, I mean they they are absolutely essential to to the film because just the budget issue of trying to 
you know, put period dress on thousands of soldiers is, is a ridiculous uh, thing to overcome. The reenactors brought all that with them. And, and I mean, did it, it more accurately than any Hollywood costumer. Very ever definitely. Did. And that was a lesson a lot of people in Hollywood do not learn. All you have to do is look at a lot of the period pieces that come out of Hollywood and realize that, you know, these people are being dressed by, you know, the costume designer. And uh, when you look at the Civil War films, you realize that the authenticity um, is, is key. It's just essential. And that's what the reenactors bring to this. I think in, in The Patriot, I remember reading that the uh, British artillery uh, artillerymen were dressed in red. They should have been wearing blue. But oh, yeah, the and, and I heard, I mean, it was because the director thought that, you know, red looked better on film. Well, that exactly. had nothing to do with the historical accuracy. But then you get the, the other side of that coin, and maybe this is part of the Gods and Generals story, is there's a one can be obsessed with the detail of historical accuracy, get the threads per inch correct on the, the cloth used for the pants and jackets, uh, get all the details right, but miss the sort of bigger historical story that makes history interesting in the first place. Uh, I agree with you, and I think that is the problem, uh, is that so much attention was paid to detail that less attention was paid to telling a good story. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I've also heard, and again, I admit to not having seen the movie, uh, when I read the book, I did not get the sense that there was a bias toward or favoritism towards Jackson or the Confederacy, but I've heard that that seems to uh, be reflected in the movie. Uh, yeah, and, and I was painstaking about not communicating any kind of bias. Now, first of all, I have no bias personally. I mean, I, I grew up in, in the South, in Tallahassee, Florida, but I was born in New Jersey. So, I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm neither. I mean, I, I'm not on either side of the fence uh, personally. But, you know, the thing is, if you, if you do not keep yourself right on the fence, um, the book is going to lose credibility, and my father was very aware of that. And uh, I mean, his positive portrayal of James Longstreet and his positive portrayal of people like John Buford and Joshua Chamberlain. I mean, very clearly, um, he's. The, the point is, it's a human tragedy. It's not a Confederate tragedy. It's not a Union tragedy. I was amazed to hear from people who have read Killer Angels, who've read Gods and Generals who come up to me and say they were struck by the fact that there are no bad guys. I mean, this is not John Wayne and the guys in the black hats. Mm -hmm. uh, it is, you know, every character in this story, no matter what side he's on or what flag he's fighting under, he's a sympathetic character. He's a three-dimensional human being. And that was key to the story. It, you know, that gets away from bias. It's not about north and south. It's not about which flag. It's about, it's, it's, a, it's a human tragedy, a human story. It's an American story. I mean, it's a story that affects all of us. It, it certainly is. A, that does come out very much in in, uh, in the Killer Angels and and uh, in Gods and Generals in, in the book form, certainly. Well, the, the, again, the one example that my father started with, and I continued the story, was the the singular tragedy of two best friends, uh, you know, Winfield Hancock and Louis Armistead. You know, one goes north, one goes south. The, the enormous tearful farewell of these people. I mean, this is all documented in Myra Hancock. It's Winfield Hancock's wife uh, wrote her memoir, and she was there. I mean, she was playing the piano in this magnificent 
sad scene in California when these two men realize they're going to be fighting each other. And at Gettysburg, they do fight each other, and Armistead ultimately is killed. And, uh, I mean, that film, that, that scene is missing from the film. It was never shot for the film Gods and Generals, uh, which was really a shame. I thought that was an opportunity lost, because in Gettysburg, uh, the actor, uh, Richard Jordan, who plays Louis Armistead, that's one of the most tearful moments in the film, is when he's telling Longstreet, you know, what it's what it is like to realize that over there on that hill is his best friend, and, and he tomorrow he's going to charge and lead his troops right up to his best friend's army. Um, I mean, that's a very poignant moment in American history. Unfortunately, the film didn't address that. Well, that is uh, a wonderful moment, and there are other wonderful moments uh, in that book uh, and in the other books uh, that you've written. We're going to come back in just a minute and talk some more with Jeff Shera about some of these great moments on Civil War Talk Radio.